People have been hunting birds since the dawn of time. They've been hunted for food, for feathers, and more recently for pleasure and sport. People hunt many different types of birds for many different reasons. And you are about to hear some of the stories behind these reasons. This is the GoHuntBirds.com podcast. GoHuntBirds.com podcast, episode number 11. Today I have Dan Scorziello from Engine House Coffee, and we're going to chat a bit about the coffee that he's making for GoHuntBirds, as well as a bunch of other stuff related to coffee, get a bit of a history of what his business is about, and kind of chat about why we decided maybe that bird hunters need a coffee for themselves. So as always, thanks for listening to our podcast, and enjoy. So I am sitting here with Dan Scorziello. Uh, Dan is the guy who is going to be making our Go Hunt Birds branded coffee. Uh, it was going to be called the Rise and Grind, but due to a potential copyright issue, I figured we'd change it up a little bit and, and eliminate that. So welcome, Dan, to the Go Hunt Birds podcast. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Dan is the owner of Engine House Coffee located in Eganville, Foymount, uh, Ontario. Dan has been making coffee for? Seven years. Seven years. Uh, how did you get into making coffee, Dan? Uh, well, when we first moved up to the area, we couldn't find any local roasted coffee. Um, and I had a friend in Toronto who has been roasting coffee for, well, right now it's probably pushing around 22 to 25 years. So I kind of watched him uh, do it and uh, asked him one day, said, uh, could we get some of your coffee, uh, you know, where we are? Because uh, somebody in town was opening a cafe and I quickly realized it, was, it wouldn't be really cost-effective. So uh, I looked into maybe trying to roast some coffee on a small scale and did some more research and thought, hey, this is something I wouldn't mind trying to do as a hobby. And then we kind of took it from there just, uh, just to kind of service our own needs. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of like we just never looked back and kept going. I kept enjoying it, just kept doing it and growing and seeing more opportunity. And realized that uh, I could actually get a paycheck out of it, which was nice. So uh, really took on uh, wanting to be an entrepreneur rather than uh, work for somebody else. Cool. And you'd moved up here and when people, when we say up here, moved, Dan moved here from the Toronto area. Yeah, we were in the 905 area. So we were just north of Toronto, so the suburbs. Yeah. And uh, Dan moved to Eganville, which is a fairly small area. Uh, what brought you out of the suburbs of Toronto? Well, um I usually just say it was my wife because her family's up here and she has ties here. But you know, beyond that, uh, we cover. We had a bit of familiarity with the area because of that. But we, we wanted to get out of the city, and we were we were actually looking at Picton area initially. Okay. Um, but we were. I was tired of just the 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 rat race and uh, the traffic, and you know, like having no time on the weekends because you're just tired and that's your chance to get some groceries and you know mm-hmm. go to the store so it felt like a real rat race and um, it just was really appealing to kind of slow things down and maybe not try to keep up with the progression that was happening in the city so we actually looked at Picton but um, 
uh, it didn't really appeal to us just because I guess it was more of a retirement community. And that same trip we went to look at Picton, we never intended to come up to uh, this area, the Ottawa Valley. But we said, hey, you know, we're halfway there. Why don't we go visit your parents? And so we kept, uh, we took another, you know, few hours, drove all the way up. And um, my wife's, uh, my wife's father's into houses. He was always looking in the paper for fixer-uppers. Yeah. So he's a renovator. And he mentioned there was a couple houses he was interested in looking at. So we were up for the weekend, and part of uh, part of that was looking at some used, some old houses. And we did. We actually looked at one, and we kind of just pretty much bought it on the spot because it was so cheap and it needed work. And we thought, hey, this is our way out. This is our, like, we looked at each other and we're like, you know, you, you want to do something, but nothing happens for a long time unless you just do it. So we're like, you know what, let's just do it. And, and this is our stepping stone. If we don't like it, we'll leave or do something different. So we took a, took a risk, kind of like we did with the coffee, and we just jumped right in. And Cool. Now, was that the house that, that you owned? That you had the coffee place at when I met you. Yeah, that's the house we we had. We it's a century home. It was built in 1898. Uh, it was like a, I guess a farmstead house. There was a farm back there at the time, and that's where we did. We it was a duplex, so we used one side. We made a little cafe. We did some roasting, um, but we sold it a year or two ago, and we moved out to a 15 acre. Uh, bush lot with a larger building we're roasting there now which is where you're kind of growing a bit and so when i met dan uh, i was actually looking for somebody who could make a uh, go hunt birds branded coffee and so i reached out and did a bit of research on the number of companies around here and reached out to dan and uh, that's where i met him he had a little cafe i guess you called it and and, uh, you had your own coffee there and baked goods and stuff like that yeah you know um so that would have been probably two or so years ago. At least two years ago. And so we chatted about getting a, a, a coffee made, and, and I did some taste testing and a bunch of other things, and then that kind of fell off the wayside. We we kind of just never went along with it. It was something I kind of wanted to do, and Dan chatted about doing it, and then, we, and then in that interim, you sold that house and moved. Um, and so Dan and I ran into each other at a networking event. Dan and I are both in business, and we chatted and reconnected. And uh, we said, "Hey, let's let's get this rolling again." So we we kind of went forward with it. So uh, I always call you Coffee Dan because you have this Scorziello kind of, last name. Kind that of I my nickname now. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I kind of seem to butcher your last name when I'm telling people about you. So I just call you Coffee I Dan. Actually, I actually, when I uh, call people, I introduce myself as Coffee Dan because because that way I know they know who they're talking to yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, and so uh, I realized in my first number of visits to to the Engine House Coffee Cafe, Dan is a bit of a connoisseur of coffee, um, and so he's been around the block a bit on on coffee. So tell me. Kind of, how did you get into being a coffee? Will we say fanatic or connoisseur? What do you, what do you label yourself as? Uh, I'm, neither of those things. I just like coffee. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe I'm a bit more particular. I don't want to be pretentious or snobby about it. Um, you know, I I put uh, I'm one of those people that put uh, milk and cream sometimes in my coffee too. And early on, I you know I know the coffee industry. Kind of like you should only drink it black if you're a coffee roaster. Yeah. You know, black's the only way to go. And I understand that's necessary, but I also really firmly believe that you should drink the drink how you like it. And I, you know, I grew up with Tim Hortons Double Double. Yeah. I mean, now it's too sweet for me, and I can't do that. But uh, 
you know, if that's what you like, that's the way you should drink it. And, and I design my coffee so that you can drink it with cream or sugar or milk or whatever you like. But, um, yeah, so I guess uh, I'm a coffee aficionado, maybe. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never I never drank coffee at all until I was about 25. I got a job working as a courier. And so I worked all through high school as a pump, as a gas attendant outside, cold, never drank coffee. Then went all through college, you know, trying to stay awake, never drank coffee. Started working as a courier and I started drinking coffee with the guys, just coffee break. And then I became hooked on the stuff. So, um, and then when I really, really got into hunting, that's when it really took off. And I, I just said to the guys and we chatted about it, we, why is there not a hunting inspired coffee let alone waterfowl hunting inspired coffee like like we're getting up at such stupid hours in the morning and we're generally up for the day you know it's it's not uncommon to get up at two or three or four a.m to go hunting and you just inhale coffee all morning and uh i mean so so i thought hey like we we need a highly caffeinated coffee yeah, really, more mornings and coffee are like a really good uh, oh, combination yeah. for sure. You know, and so uh, I chatted with the guys about it, especially, you know, some of the guys in my really core group of Go Hunt Birds followers. And everybody, even the guys who didn't drink coffee were like, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. I can see that. And so so that's when I reached out to you and we started the, the you know, the ball rolling on this. And so I got a bit of a, of a learning lesson because... I'm sure, like most people, they think the darker the coffee, the more caffeine. Which, yeah, a lot of people have the misconception. They think it's, uh, it's stronger tasting, so it's you know it, it has a stronger potency of caffeine, which is not the truth. Which is the opposite, actually. So it's uh, it's the coffee's the caffeine is actually roasted out of the coffee. It, it evaporates. It like uh, turns more carbonizes. Yeah. So the lighter the roast, the more caffeine. Yeah, and so. But you know. Uh, too late a roast and you're not going to actually enjoy the coffee it tastes bitter it tastes bitter it tastes yeah. sour yeah. yeah and so uh, so you actually learned a lot of this you actually went on some tours to, to where coffee yeah. was made right yeah so uh, one of my trips one the most memorable one I went on was uh, to Columbia and that was a real eye opener we went to um, we went to uh, one gentleman's farm who had about 14 hectares and saw exactly how all the coffee was being produced and, and the amount of labor and uh, just the particulars of actually growing it. You know, like, just like we eat, just like we eat corn here or apples here, like, you know, you can have a bad apple, you can have a bad batch of corn or you can have feed corn. Yeah. So there's different varieties, different qualities and it's really important how it ripens, how the health of the plant is taken care of. That all affects the end result of the coffee. Um, you know the processing of it too like it, it goes through so many stages but I've learned uh, so much from that trip alone um, yeah it, it's it's uh, it's way more than most people think when they're picking up and having to drink their coffee I mean you know uh, a lot of people still don't know that coffee comes from a cherry yeah uh, they think maybe it's a bean or something like that's grown as a, you know it's, it's actually a seed of a cherry type fruit so one of the things, uh, I'll give you an example here of the challenges of growing and harvesting the optimal type of coffee. So for coffee to have a really good flavor, good good taste, not only does it have to be grown in really good soils and have a healthy plant, 
when you go to pick the coffee, and it's all picked by hand, there's no machine that picks mm -hmm. coffee, it has to be ripened. And they actually go to the extent now of getting a refractometer to check sugar contents. So they'll take a sample of that, that cherry fruit, uh, squish it, put the juices on this refractometer, and they'll tell you how much sugar content is in that, that cherry, this, the fruit. Not the coffee itself, not the seed, but the fruit. And the problem is um, not the whole plant ripens at the same time. So for, for anybody, for a farmer to be able to pick an amazing crop of coffee, and there are some very specialty farms that do this, and it's extremely difficult because you have to train people who are used to doing things a very different way to now pick only the ripened cherries and leave the rest on the branch and later. come back the next day and pick again. So most coffee, most of the coffee in the world, they pick the unripened cherries and the ripened cherries all at the same time for efficiency. That's all put together. And that's what happened. That's where most of the coffee we drink or the coffee that you see a lot of the franchises or the chains, it's sour. You can't drink it black because it's like eating an unripened apple. It's like yeah. eating an apple, you bite into it, and it tastes sour. It's bitter. It's, you know... So that's the, that's the difference right there. But um, coffee's coming a long way. You know, and I've had some coffee where it has just the delicacies of like a beautiful tea where the flavors are so pronounced, there's no bitterness, and you really get, it's like a wine. And they talk about coffee like wine. Most people have never tried it, but those coffees are very expensive. You know, a lot of Japanese, those coffees go to Japan. Uh, I've tried some of them and they're phenomenal. Yeah. You know? So there's there's potential for that. So the, yeah, there's my uh, fancy coffee. Well, and I was, I mean, when I did when, when we when we sat down to kind of pick some flavorings for these coffees, I remember sitting. I think at three or four, like kind of sample beans. Yeah. And then you, and then to break it down even more, you had the beans lightly roasted versus darker roasted. So you essentially, I had a taste test of eight different cups of coffee mm -hmm. you know four different beans uh, and then I think we went even as far as try it black try it with some cream because I take my coffee with cream but no sugar right. try it with cream how would you drink this and, and essentially it took a it was like a wine tasting almost like exactly you, said, you know and uh, at the end of the day we kind of chose one that that we felt that most people would, would yeah and we did it in a group as, you know, we always do the best to kind of have different palettes because people like different things but yeah. it's kind of a broad idea of which, which one's the best yeah and so uh, anyway at the end of the day it was, it was a pretty unique experience to kind of sit and, and pick the flavoring of the coffee which is kind of why I went with Dan as well other than the fact that he's local and he's a nice guy and I like him um, you know Dan's coffee isn't massively produced. It's it's small batches. It's I've watched. I've literally sat and and, and watched Dan roast coffee. He's got a how 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 much coffee can you roast? Uh, I can roast uh, right now. I have a ten kilo roaster, so I can roast you know probably about a hundred pounds a day. Yeah, which is not at all commercial. Like no, not at all commercial. No. I mean, uh, no, I mean the commercial roasters are. are would way exceed that like, yeah. and, and, it, and I don't do that much that's just like the pushing the max really yeah. I maybe do between 100 I would do about 200 a week yeah and I know that that's a machine that you just bought recently substantially bought, bigger than the one you had yeah, before yeah I bought last year it's an older machine but um, these older machines are actually sometimes built better uh, in my opinion than some of the new ones where they kind of cheapen on materials for costs and that 
Yeah. Um, so it's a stainless steel drum. Like essentially, a coffee roaster is a kind of like a dryer. It has a drum, uh, which is turning, and then fans to move air and um, a heat source underneath. Minus uh, propane, but there some of them are electric or very few are electric. I should say, but they're mostly got a fire, like a, a fired machine. Yeah. And so, and I asked Dan where the name Engine House came from, and it's ironic because he said, "Well, the coffee machine kind of looks like a steam engine, and it does, and it sounds like one." And it sounds like one too. When the beans are turning in there, it sounds like it's uh, chugging along. It's like a chugga chugga kind so of. So it's pretty cool. So Dan, Dan has branded himself, you know, with his with his brand of coffee, and he's got a number of different flavors and varieties that you can buy outside of the one that he's done for us. Um, you did one with CBC, the, the yeah. We did uh, we did um, a still standing TV series that was on CBC. So they actually came to Eganville, and we did an episode with them. Oh my God, that was three years, four years ago, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, so the yeah, they showcased our little shop, and actually at the time I had a two kilo roaster. So that's you know our beginnings were very very small. Yeah. We were doing three pounds of coffee at a time and. Yeah, yeah um, but uh, you know, just just going back to what you reminded me, like w- we we weren't really trying to do it as a business. We were, I was just initially roasting for um, just for an extra income. Uh, you know, I was working construction. I was really happy with my job, and we, uh, my wife was an artist, so we would just do the farmers markets, and I'd sell some bags there, and you know, have some leftover for myself to enjoy. And so I was all about, like, let me play with what kind of coffees I can get. Let me see the different varieties. Let me try, you know, what's new. And, and so I, I was really annoying to, the, to my wholesalers. I was, like, always asking way too many questions and not buying, like, a huge bulk order. Right? So, so uh, but it, it gave me a really great, you know, variety of trying different coffees and, and blending. And that's what I really enjoyed. And I kind of got a little crazy where I went with, you know, making too many different kinds. Um, which is not great for you know business, but it's, it's maybe it has been great. Maybe maybe people actually uh, appreciate that variety. And I, in the end, I do like I like to vary. I'll drink something for a while and I'll go to something else. And I've noticed that with my customers too. They'll they'll switch it up, and you know it's it's good because when they do, they're still pretty happy with uh, the new coffee they've tried. Same different blend or something. And so, since we first initially met a couple of years ago, I, I became a little more aware of the different flavors of variety. So, I would notice myself buying different kinds at the store and trying different kinds. And I actually even went with another company that we were going to almost do a, a brand, a Go Hunters brand. And I found that, that uh, and no offense to these guys, but I found their coffee that it just didn't taste as good as the stuff you were making. Um, and I and I really think that's because of the small batch and the and the beans and the yeah. variety and all the sure. stuff that that uh, that that you kind of almost put your love and care into the into this coffee that you're making. Yeah, I think we do. And I know I know um, you know the, when I go to our wholesalers to see what's available, like they are, they'll have offerings from all all around the globe. I, I've worked with a few different wholesalers, um, um, but. Uh, the, the the prices do vary quite a bit and so if you're looking at doing it as a business it's very tempting to you know save a couple dollars per pound yeah um, I've, I've got I've gotten those uh, samples to try and I was just like I don't want to sell this you know it's mm-hmm. you know I don't want to drink it so <laughs> I'm not gonna make it for somebody else to drink exactly and I mean I, I'm in the I'm in business too and I wouldn't 
give anybody any advice. I'm in the business of advice, and I wouldn't give anybody advice to something I wouldn't do myself with anything I do, whether that's in the financial services business, whether that's in the you know consulting business, whether that's in the hunting business. If I don't feel comfortable in doing it or, or using it or recommending it, then I'm not going to tell you that you should. Right, you know, yeah. and, and I wanted my coffee to be the same. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and I always tell uh, my wholesale customers at cafes that order too, like, I, I, I'm a real coffee drinker yeah. first. I have to remember that. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of products that are better than other products, they don't make it. Like, but it's always the best product that wins. But my belief in coffee, with it, it comes to coffee, is the coffee has to be good because people will come back. Yeah. They'll come back, they'll go out of their way, they'll drive by that coffee shop to the next one to get a good, and they remember it. It's just one of those things where it defies like the normal standards. So uh, it's something I'm pretty proud of that like we, we don't compromise on our coffee. We just want to try to get the best. And see, I got to, I got to know that when I worked as a courier, we delivered all of Renford County, and, and so I got to drink coffee quite often, and having the freedom of driving wherever I wanted throughout the day with my route, uh, I got to know where the better coffee was, you yeah. know, and, and I mean, you know, it wasn't at a big chain, you know, you, these little small coffee roasters and little places like your cafe and little places, you know, in and around Renfrew County. And so when we, when we looked at doing a coffee, our Go Hunt Birch coffee and your coffee that you're mm-hmm. selling is going to be more expensive, you know, per pound or per half pound than the stuff you get at Walmart or the big commercial chains of coffee you're going to buy. And that's just the way it is so people are going to I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times I've, heard it. I've already heard it I've heard it but it's it's a very mo- uh, minimal cost when yeah. you look at a daily cup of coffee uh, I was reading this thing recently like millennials they're not even going to be buying coffee to make it home like it, most of them just go to the coffee shop yeah you know so it's like four bucks you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> easily a day. like it's very interesting because also you know if you ever look at a Keurig boxes the total grams you get are probably like double the cost. Yeah, you're buying more plastic than your coffee. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, you, the only way to make sense of that is if you're going to go buy a, co- a coffee that somebody made for you. But yeah, coffee prices are all over the they're all over the place. Um, but no, we we uh, we try to make it available as best we can. Yeah, I mean, you got to make money. You're in business. Go Hunt Birds isn't in the business of coffee. No. We're in the business of promoting hunting. And so part of promoting hunting is going to be having our own niche brand of coffee. Yeah. Uh, not doing this to make a bunch of money off it, but I am doing it to help continue to grow the community. And if it's growing it around sharing a cup of coffee, then that's going to be just some other cool thing that we can talk about, you know, um, which is going to, in a way, kind of kind of do what it's supposed to because because I'm buying coffee from you, you're going to, come hunting with us a little more yeah you know well so. I, hope, I hope you're not just inviting me to like make coffee for everybody <laughs> no 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 I'm I mean, but i'm talking about regularly like you know yeah you're, absolutely you're a guy that said you want to get into hunting well, i'm definitely more, looking so. forward to that yeah and uh, i've done a bit of hunting but um you know uh hunting fowl definitely excites sounds a bit more exciting yeah. and more active that i'm looking forward to it and so it's all just part of the whole brand that is go hunt birds so it's it's about networking and promoting each other and and, um, you know, still want to have a product that I'm going to use. And, and yeah. I, when I looked at different companies, I looked at different coffees and did some market research of my own and passed the stuff around to the other guys. And, and 
what I liked about your company was local, um, you know, small batches, easy to get a hold of, fair trade. Do you want to talk about fair trade? Like, sure, yeah. Um, like fair trade is uh, most people. Like there's been a fair trade has been in a bit of us, a bit of a bad rap, I guess, uh, with different radio shows and spots. I've you know I've heard people kind of question it, but I think what people forget is that. Uh, fair trade uh, works with cooperatives so it's yeah. a bunch of small small farms these people have no power on their own they're remote they don't have a truck to drive their coffee to a warehouse or something so these these farmers would basically be selling their coffee to anybody who comes by if the road is not falling apart you know like yeah. they, they, so it really is like the aboriginal the small villagers um then the only way they kind of function and work is if they work as a community. So fair trade comes in, they establish a cooperative, and if you look at just comparing the price of what they make and their earnings to, say, a private uh, farm, they may not be as good. But they wouldn't have that opportunity in the first place unless they actually had this cooperative set up. So, you know, fair trade is definitely helping those people who are kind of left out to dry. Um, they could be helping more. Always, there's always room for improvement. But these these small communities, they're probably the ones that have no education. Probably have problems with you know violence and corruptions and all kinds of, you know small and yeah. uh, problems. So uh, it's just a good idea to remember that there's more to the picture than what you hear or what people see. But it definitely is a, a, a supportive social supportive system that I believe in, and I think. Uh, you know, I think I've always believed really strongly, like, you know, coffee is the second most uh, beverage drunk in the world and it has a huge impact for helping any social justice. I'm assuming water is the first? No? Uh, I think tea is, actually. <laughs> I think tea is. It's funny, you know, like, you would think water, but yeah. a lot of places in, in, these, in developing countries, the water is not safe to drink. They have to boil they it. Boil it, and if they're going to boil it, might as well tea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, uh, talk to me about ground versus whole bean. I mean, oh, the, full freshness factor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, coffee is pretty much is like think of coffee as uh, bread or baking, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you want to eat it as close to when it's when it's out of the oven and cooled off. You know, like it's always best to have it fresh, obviously. Yeah. So it oxidizes. So if you cut a if you have a loaf of bread on the counter and you and it's untouched, the inside will still be fresh for longer. As soon as you cut that bread and start slicing it, if you get sliced bread and you ask the baker to slice up this fresh loaf, it's going to stale much more rapidly. Same thing for coffee. As soon as you grind it, all that part of it is exposed to oxygen yeah. and it starts drying out and staling much, much faster. So always, I always recommend it's best to um, you know, grind your own coffee be- right before you drink it. Uh, that's the best way to enjoy, you know, what you're what you're paying for, um, and, and to have a better experience with the coffee. Yeah, because I mean, when people buy coffee from you, it's the same price, I assume, ground or whole. It it is the same price yeah. for yeah. yeah. So so, grind your own coffee. You're gonna get a better. You're gonna taste. get a better. You're gonna get a fresher coffee. Fresher. You're gonna get a better. T- you're gonna get you're, the caffeine will be stronger as well. Yeah. 
right? Because that oxidizes away yeah. as well. So you're going to create less work for you because you don't have to grind everybody's less work for me. A, a huge bonus. That's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, some people like you know convenience, and uh, like if you're going to grind it, then make sure it's a, if you're going to grind it ahead, you know, like on your your take your own risk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep it in an airtight container. Definitely, oxygen is one of the worst things, and sunlight. So keep it and heat. So just keep it in an airtight container not close to the stove and hopefully it's not like a glass container or something that uh, blocks the sun. Yeah, yeah. And you can buy a little coffee grinder for 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah, even the really cheap ones are better than, than uh, you know, you don't need the most expensive grinder. Any grinder, I say, always grind. Like if, if you can grind, it's always better to grind even if it's a cheap one. It's, it's yeah, so, so again, pressure. so fine versus, versus coarse. Same idea. Like people, for what? For, for the ground coffee. Would do people want to grind their coffee fine or coarse? Uh, it really depends how you're going to make the coffee. Yeah. Like if you're going to if you're going to use a paper filter, you want it uh, as a finer grind. Yeah. And um, you know, it's getting more technical into like a bird grinder, which basically allows the coffee to be ground very consistently. Blade grinders are the ones, the little whipper snippers, kind of like a mini yeah. blender. Yeah. yeah. Those ones will pulverize it and grind inconsistently. But I, I would recommend that it's still better to use a blade grinder, have it ground fresh, and use a paper filter. Like the paper filter will catch most of that, yeah. those small uh, grinds that really. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'll tell you, man, we, you know, we were talking about this on the weekend. And uh, when Curie came out, it was the big hype, right? It was convenience and blah, blah, blah. And it was all, it was a. Like, oh, let's try this flavor and that flavor. And ah, I don't like that one. Pour it out. You know, uh, my wife and I had a house that had hard water. And we went through two and a half, like three Keurig machines. Pretty much one a year. Yeah. Because it would scale and it would get, you know, crusty and the machine wouldn't work. And you'd run vinegar through it. I, I saw a post once and it's like the... People think that the waste is the cup, but actually, in actuality, it's the machine. Yeah. There's more waste from the machine itself because they last about a year and they don't repair them there's no replaceable parts so you know and so you know we just we had a curing machine and and we got rid of it and we got another one and we got rid of it too and and, uh, we went back to making coffee right around the time when I chatted with you about you know and and we've never gone back and I mean I buy I drink probably three or four to five cups of coffee a day like you know I'm, I'm a coffee two or three in the morning one in the afternoon I can drink coffee at ten o'clock at night and go right to bed and not, not stay awake. You're highly caffeinated, Mark. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, and uh, I thought like, hey, like, why not make a pot of coffee? It smells better. It's, you know, it's there. You know, and so I I'm not near to the scale that you are, but I've become a little more of a of a connoisseur or whatever we want to call ourselves as well. And sure. um, and so so tell me a little bit before we wrap this up. What are a little bit of the plans for Engine House going forward? So we're always learning and growing, um, but I I like to take one step at a time. I don't have any huge huge plans uh, unless they present themselves. I'm very open minded to yeah. things, but uh, I kind of like this the way we are going with the size of things. We're slowly getting into more. Uh, I mean, one of the things I realized is uh, you know availability. We have lots of people who love our coffee. They just always ask where can they get it, and, mm-hmm. and my answer is usually like you have to drive half an hour you know yeah so we're trying to fix that uh it's available in a few stores in the pembroke area it's uh wilkie's is one calabine um so uh 
Ottawa Valley Promotions has it in her boxes, yeah. uh, a few boxes from time to time. Um, we're in Petawawa Independent and Deep River uh, Valley, uh, Valley Mart, uh, Eganville Foodland, um, Little Coffee Shop in Cobden. So those are kind of the general ones in the area. I hope I'm not missing anybody. Um, yeah, and Wilkie's Bakery, you're in Wilkie's Bakery. Wilkie's Bakery, yeah, yeah we definitely mentioned that. Yeah. So, yeah, and Pembroke is, is pretty much Calabine and Wilkie's. Actually, I should mention Nelson Street Pub. Yeah. I uh, want to thank, a uh, big thanks to Corey there. He helped with designing the cold brew uh, graphic. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, so I met uh, at the same network meeting kind of thing. We chatted, Corey and I. Uh, he's the owner of Nelson Street Pub. Uh, fantastic guy, super helpful. Uh, runs a local pub in town, and, and I hear only good things about the place. Uh, music's great. Um, he also does some graphic design work in his spare time, and uh, he presented, hey, you know, like, uh, you ever thought about doing, like, a cold brew blend? Um, and I was like, no, I haven't, actually. So he kind of presented the idea, and we started talking about it, and uh, uh, he, he shot me a little text with an image of what he was thinking, and I said, damn, that looks really cool, you know, like, so uh, he kind of pushed me forward with that, and I, that's why I had to thank him, but uh, I said, let's do it, you know, and I said, just just let's do it, it doesn't matter if it, it sells or not, it just sounds really cool, and I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from it, and people really like it. And so, I'm so tell of, the audience what cold brew is versus, let's say, iced coffee. Yeah, so iced coffee, typically, the difference is a cold brew is actually smoother uh, coffee takes the bitterness away, um, so the flavor is a little bit different, and it, it gets more of a, the nuances of like the the fruit flavors of the coffee. You get more flavor out of it, basically. Okay. So you essentially brew it with cold water. You brew it with cold water. So so iced coffee is leftover hot brewed coffee that you would pour pour and put in the fridge, and yeah. you're cooling that down. Now when you when you brew hot coffee, and if it doesn't, you know. If it's sitting on a hot plate, depending how it's treated, it can kind of taste kind of old. Yeah. So that sometimes get like affects the the cold brew. There's some excellent iced coffee and stuff. So yeah. cold brew is different. You actually take the grounds, you put them in cold water, and so I'll give you the recipe. It's eight to one ratio. So a half a cup to one liter, uh, one liter of water. Uh, you can use a simple mason jar. So you could just put it in there and put the lid on and shake it. So it's cold, filtered cold water and ground coffee now the coffee has to be ground very coarse mm-hmm. um, French press or even coarser than French press um, so you, you just shake it up put it in the fridge 14 hours after that you take it out pour it through a coffee paper filter to take all the bean away and yeah basically you pour it through so the beans will kind of get away and you know um, then you put it back in a container and it's in the fridge so the really great thing about it is you have that in the fridge at your disposal anytime you know you feel like having a cold coffee cold brew coffee boom it's right in the fridge you don't have to get your grinder out you don't have to boil water you don't have to you know turn anything on it's like it's right there for you how long will that stay good in the fridge um usually it's gone before i know (laughs) (laughs) i've never tested that one (laughs) but uh maybe the max maybe it's like a week that's it right on so so it's kind of like Similar to that, like having iced tea or, or yeah, steeped iced tea. Yeah, if you haven't tried iced coffee, you definitely, definitely should give it a try. Yeah. Um, if you want to go a step further, you know, pour some of that ice, the cold brew into a ice cube tray, make some iced coffee ice cubes. Cool. 
Uh, absolutely great for this crazy weather we've been having. Oh man, it's been thirty-five degrees. When you want some caffeine and you, you th- just can't take another like you know inch of heat, and yeah. the idea of a hot coffee is just making you sweat more. That's well, when you. Well, I'll tell you if, if if our hunting season, which is coming up in September, is anything like last September was, we'll be drinking iced coffee because or cold brew coffee because it was so hot last fall. Oh man. Oh man, and, and this summer has been you know the same. So. I hope it cools off for the fall. Otherwise, goose and duck hunting in September is, is going to be, you know, sweaty. But uh, oh, that's good stuff. Um, so where can people find you? You have a website. You have social media. Yeah. Um, so Engine House Coffee, uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we have a website too, enginehousecoffee.com. Um, Google it. We're available. Yeah, on Instagram. So, Instagram, send me a message on Instagram. Happy, I love seeing people's posts of or coffee or questions. Or I'm pretty active on Instagram, so you can find me there most times. Yeah. And so Dan has a number of, of, of different flavors or blends or brews, whatever you want to yeah, call them. Yeah, we have uh, seven different, uh, different blends um, and a decaf. I don't count that as a blend because yeah. we don't actually blend the decaf. Decaf's yeah. uh, decaffeinated off-site. But uh, we have two medium roasts, so our locomotion and still standing, uh, two medium darks, which is off the tracks, and Midnight Express. Those are all, uh, both uh, my go-to espresso blends I like. Yeah. Uh, and then I have two dark roasts. I have a dark and stormy, uh, which is one of the best-seller ones. People really like that as a dark roast. And then the roaster's choice, which is basically served with people who like really strong like the, kind of the strongest level of dark roast. Yeah, and now you have your cold brew, and he has and a, the cold brew now. So that's eight. <laughs> rise and grind them is uh, and rise it, of is course. number nine. Which uh, so if you're if you're interested in getting the Go Hunt Birds coffee, you can you can get it from Dan. You can buy it in Pembroke at Wilkie's Bakery for now. Uh, it will be available at the East Hill Sports Show that we're going to be doing this weekend. That's where, and when I say this weekend, that's the 11th of August. Hopefully this, if you're listening to this, we will have got it up live before that. Um, and then after that, it's going to be available in our Infowencer packages. So due to the price of shipping coffee, I know a lot of people want to try this coffee and it's, uh, you know, what we're going to try and do is sell it for $13 a bag or two for 25 uh, and so what we're what we're hoping to do is uh, have that as a part of our influencer boxes because shipping two bags of coffee, as Dan can tell you, is pretty not cost efficient when you're shipping it all over. So if people are interested in buying a number of bags of coffee, like in, in large bulk, then I'm by all means ready to to uh, make some deals. But uh, for those who want to try one or two bags, anybody locally can can buy it in Pembroke at Wilkie's Bakery. Um, Andrew will hook you up there. Um, if you want to order it or add it to your order from from Engine House, they're the same. They, I don't believe you just ship one bag. It's kind of a minimum order type we, of deal. We, uh, we offer free shipping on a $50 order. Yeah. Otherwise, it's probably about um, 10 to $15 if it's for, sh- for shipping. Yeah, you're going to pay just as much in shipping as you yeah. will. I mean, you, I mean... Dan will sell you the bag if you're going to pay I'll the shipping. I'll sell you the bag. Our, our bags are, by the way, our bags are, the, all the bags too, and the Bird Hunt, uh, Go, Go Hunt Birds coffee is also uh, in a sealed bag with a valve. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's airtight. The freshness factor um, is definitely there. 
Yeah, it's gonna, it's, and that's the bit stuff that I'm selling as well. So, so don't be afraid if you want to buy a bit more; it will last. It's in a good sealed bag. That's yeah. my point. And, and so, so you can go on onto his website. It will eventually be available on our website. And uh, if you want to message me personally or on the Go Hunt Birds Facebook page or send an email to info at Go Hunt Birds, we can definitely make sure that you get this stuff into your hands. And we're going to wrap this podcast up because apparently Dan has a carload of coffee for me that we need to transport into my truck. So we're going to uh, wrap it up there and we'll go from there. Great. Thanks, Mark. Awesome, man. We'll talk to you soon.